0: Our sermon text this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, as we continue our sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament, uh, right about in the middle of the Bible, if you're looking for it. It says this, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, And a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet in such a way that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, And God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God.
1: All right, let's go before our, our Lord and let's uh, let's pray. Let's ask Him to bless His word. Father, we ask that You would indeed. Uh, be in this moment in such a special way that it would be, uh, we would be unable to to deny it. Thank you for the word of God. It comes to us in our various stations in life. It's always fresh. It is always relevant. And uh, we ask, Lord, that it it would be beyond those things. It would be powerful and it would show us what you have done and who you are. And uh, Lord, I pray that you will not uh, allow us to traffic in unlived truth as a church. And so uh, we ask you—you you drive home your truth and make it warm to us, make it lovely to us, desirable. And uh, and we ask you—you you would feed feed your flock now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes um, chapter three, uh, verses one through fifteen. It's provided there for you in your worship folder. Uh, we're going to look at that famous passage, those first eight verses. One of the one of the most popular, perhaps the most um, well known portion of the Bible, Ecclesiastes one, uh, excuse me, three one through eight. Um, comedian George Burns uh, once said, "It's too bad all the people who f- who can fix the world's problems are busy cutting hair and driving taxis." And. Um, that's a funny statement. People talk a lot when you're getting your hair done, and maybe I've had a lot of good conversations with taxi drivers. And uh, it's true, isn't it? Well, they've got time. They've got time to think about things. Uh, the rest of us are, are too busy, perhaps. Um, but what's wisdom? What is wisdom? Well, we're in the wisdom literature. We're in, a, the wisdom literature. Uh, we're in a, a wisdom book of the Bible. And what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is, is trying to take a chaotic situation called life... And put it in, into succinct statements, orderly statements. That's what wisdom is. So your kid's going off to college, you're getting nervous. <laughs> How can we make sense of college for my child? And you, you have these little witty little sayings that you, something's going to help them understand uh, a div- this you know, challenging time called uh, college. So we're surrounded with wisdom statements. Uh, it could be a, something as simple as a bumper sticker. Uh, I saw a bumper sticker the other day, it said, No friends okay, I'll be your friend. I, mean, I don't understand what that means. But he wanted all of us to know that he has no friends, so okay. So wisdom is all around us, a supposed wisdom, how to live. You don't have to go to the self-help shelf at the bookstore, but just it's all around us. You know, coffee cups will tell you a little motto, little fortune cookies will tell you things to believe and think. So it's all around us. There's an ad, I think it was during the Super Bowl, uh, well, it's been playing for quite some time, I guess. Uh, it's a tech commercial. I think it's Verizon. And uh, now they have 4G on the, the speed of your phone, right? And the rest of us are stuck at 3G. Think about it. You're, you're 3G. Just so out of it, right? And so this guy gets a text message, and he's he's late for the tacos at work. Have you seen that commercial, right? So he's just so 3G. It's like, you know, he's five seconds late. Can you, can you imagine? Well, that's the world we live in. The, the tech world tells us we're... We're not wise with our purchases because we are so slow to get that, uh, that text message now. Politicians, of course, are filled with wisdom. Yeah, right? So uh, they're trying to save us from ourselves with all their wisdom and all their ideas. Um, I've always been relieved on the island when we have a part-time legislation here. They only work six, times, six months a year. I've always been relieved when those six months of vacation arrive. I used to actually call a politician and express how grateful I was that they were not doing anything for six months. (laughs) Uh, But speed characterizes our age. We're not really a wise age. In fact, we're looking at a poem. Who reads poetry today? When was the last book of poems you bought? Maybe you did. Movies, of course, are action oriented. Who wants to? A slow moving, character developed plot, uh, character driven movie. We want a sword fight. We don't even—they don't even have time to figure out who the good guy is. It's just a sword fight going on. We don't even care. I've seen so many movies. I'm just like—I don't. Who is that guy? He's the good guy? I don't. I kill him off. Do that. <laughs> kill him off and it's, let's, let's go a completely different direction with this movie. I'm—I'm I'm already bored with your attempts to entertain me. So who has time for a poem like this? Well, someone who had experienced all of life, Solomon. We think Solomon's the author of this. He comes along and says, "Hey, I, I've been reflecting now on time itself, and so he has these these statements here, verses one through eight are really beautiful, and uh, uh, they're really quite extraordinary, and and they are famous. Uh, non Christians uh, like this portion. It's it sort of explains uh, life just enough, not too much detail, but it gives enough to. Uh, and so here, let's, let's get it started here. here here's here's a." What we're going to get started with, and I, I want to give you a couple ideas. We're going to look at what is wisdom, uh, just from this poem itself. We're just going to look at some of the wisdom there. And what, ne- what wisdom is sort of needed from this poem? That's the first question. And then the second question, if you're following along in the sermon outline, what wisdom is gained by being stuck in time? Now, I'm kind of giving you a little heads up of what I think is going on here. What wisdom is gained by being stuck in time? And then thirdly, what wisdom can Jesus Christ and the New Testament give us so we, we can be truly, truly wise. So verse 1, beautiful statement. For everything there is a season, there's a time for every matter under heaven. How many of you hear the, is it the birds? Is it the birds? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll break out into a little chorus of the birds. Uh, during the 60s, this was a popular song, right? So everything, under, there's, a, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven, Okay. And I'm okay with that. You feel good about that. I feel good about that. That's nice. It's witty. It's, it's succinct. It's good. And it's wise. But look at verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die. Oh, thanks, Solomon. Thank you. And immediately we're brought into this a little bit of a tension. Like, wait, what's that about? It's true, but I don't like it. A time to be born and a time to die. And now you can see that he's framing all of life. And now we the whole poem falls underneath these two, these two bookends. There's birth and there's death. There's the year you were born, and there's that little hyphen in between, the year that you die. And that little hyphen is where you live. Right? So here it is, verse 2. A time to be born, time to die. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. Most commentators say something again, something to do with the... Destruction of war, destruction of of life in war. Uh, A couple of references actually to that in this poem. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Kind of a parallel going on in in each of these verses. Interesting. In these in these eight verses, there's twenty eight references to time. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Perhaps in a reference to building walls, which are so important in the ancient world, or perhaps a reference to, uh, uh, 2 Kings actually mentions this, uh, throwing stones into an an enemy's field and piling stones after stone, and they can't grow grow corn in a field full of stones. So uh, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. So there's peace and there's war, there's... Difficult things. There's there's wonderful things. Time to dance. Time to mourn. Look at verse six. A time to seek and a time to lose. That's yeah, mostly most people think that's that's referring to the world of possessions. You know, it's time to get rid of those baseball cards you thought were so important, or it's time to get rid of those stocks that don't do anything, and uh, those things that you thought were really really important now are are uh, part of the garage sale. Yeah. So there was a time that you thought it was just so important, and now. Uh, who uses fax machines? So, right, so this is kind of the idea. So you, you, you get excited about things and then you realize, ah, ah, take it down to goodwill and get rid of it. A time to tear, a time to sew, probably a reference to sorrow, probably a reference to repentance, um, a time to regret, a time to, a time to, to, to be sad about, about something, and so you have the, 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 the renting of garments. And, uh, and then the sewing is sort of this peaceful. I'm, I'm putting it back together. I feel forgiveness. I feel, I feel relational connectedness. A time for silence, a time to speak. It's a beautiful summary coming up now in verse 8. A time to love. Ah, that's beautiful. And a time to hate. How honestly, how brutally honest the Bible is. Uh, and a time for war and a time for peace. A lot of references to conflict, isn't it? A lot of references to, to difficult things. Couple of references to dancing, but but it's it's a very realistic view of life. Um, it's a summary of life's events, the ups and downs, the beginnings and endings, uh, the starts and the stops, and the the, the emotions of that that are up and down. It's really it, it, it's active. You can see some activity here. So there's an inescapable desire for meaning, an inescapable desire for uh, for meaning that's kind of the subtext of this what does it mean that I'm born uh, what does it mean that I'm going to die what does it mean that I, I, I gathered something but now it's it's worthless and given away to garage sale so there's sort of this unspoken to this text the unspoken is I'm busy but what am I busy doing I'm busy but what am I busy accomplishing so there's a list of actions and yet there's there's an implication here that we're limited we're limited the framework of being born and dying, and in the middle of it, we're busy, but we're limited. We can't get out of this. And modern people, postmoderns, whatever we call ourselves, we do not like limitations. I don't I like to be limited to my personality, so I'll change my personality. I don't like my marriage, so I'll change my marriage. I, I don't want to be limited by and we are desperate for freedom. We want freedom. We don't like limitations. Uh, People do radical, radical things with their bodies because they, they don't want the limitations they have in their body. Moods, even. We have mood drugs. You, you're not depressed. You just want to feel a certain way. We actually have those in our culture. So we don't like limitations. It's hard to accept these. Uh, there's even a, a thought that if we can get some computer chips in our brain, and if those computers will really, really work, our, our bodies will live forever. There's actually people who think this way. We don't like limitations as, as moderns. And so uh, verses 1 through 8 are beautiful and they're true, but we don't like it. They're beautiful and true, but there's something going on here. If we're really honest, you can make a nice, beautiful melody about, about it. Something's wrong. They're facts, but I don't like them. I don't want to accept them. There's a New Age book called The Age of Miracles, Embracing the New Midlife. I I, just, I bumped into it. Someone was talking about it the other day. Uh, And and I I realize is quite a popular book. The Age of Miracles, Embracing the New Midlife. Now, some of you are not embracing your midlife, and you don't need a miracle because you're too young. But others of us are are, are intrigued with a book, with that kind of title. And uh, I I discovered that the book does not allow me to to buy a Harley, and I was very disappointed in that. Uh, I was looking for permission. Um, And so the approach is the ever-popular spiritual, but not religious. Spiritual, but not religious. Prayers in the book are some sort of generic. God, don't even know who the God is. And it asks the question, why does life have to be this inevitable decline? <laughs> I guess midlife people, Mid, if you're in your midlife crisis, that, yeah, why? Why does life have to be this inevitable decline? And I'm, I'm thinking of Ecclesiastes 3, <laughs> it's born, time to boor, be born and time to die. There is, there is de- decline is actually part of life, and we, we resist it. And the book goes on to say, it says this, you don't have to cruise into the end of your life. You can cruise into the meaning of your life. You see, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to be a new age author and make lots of money telling you I might become apostate but I will have some big bucks <laughs> and, and, and we're told to put on new lenses reinvigorate your relationships and I love this line fan into flame your passions create a new inner fire <laughs> you don't have to cruise into the end of your life cruise into the meaning of your life and I just imagine Solomon coming along saying you want to cruise You want to cruise into the meaning of life? Well, then why don't you jump into my chariot and uh, hop on in and let's go find some meaning. And so you cruise around his gardens and uh, you see his houses where his harem lives. You see his wealth and you're riding along. You're not sure what on earth he's going to save. Then he says, hey, you know what your life is? It's a series of moments that you can't stop. You can say carpe diem. Seize the moment. All you want. Seize the day. And you can flan the flames. All the flames of passion you want. You can reinvigorate your life. But you know what you are? You're stuck. You don't rule these moments. The moments rule you. You see, this is the wisdom that's coming out of this text 1 through 8. The, the, the wisdom rising out of it is saying, look, it's beautiful poetry, but it's disturbing because you're stuck. You're stuck in these cycles. They're like the cycles from Ecclesiastes 1. The cycle of the sun going around. What is the sun doing? The, sun going around? the wind blowing all around the, the earth. What's the wind doing? Streams going into the, into the ocean. What are they doing? Now it's your life. Not abstract things in, in, from nature. Now it's your life. You're stuck. And the one thing you need is meaning. And, we, and we're going to find out. That's the one thing you don't get. You get activity. But you don't get meaning. Meaning. You think it's meaningful, but it doesn't last, perhaps. And you can't get out of this. You are stuck in the moments of your life. The band The Eagles years ago had a song called Hotel California. And the lyric of, about this hotel says, You can check in anytime you like, but you can never what? Ah, so influenced by pop culture. You can check in any time you want, but you can never leave. That's Ecclesiastes 3. You think, you think you're living wise by grasping the moments of your life. But in the end, all those moments, where do they go? What do they mean? And so it's a beautiful poem describing a not-so-beautiful truth, that, a not-so-beautiful truth that we are limited, deeply limited. You see, you can never leave this reality. You can never leave it. No popular book can help. No philosophy can help. What's the wisdom r- r- coming out of this first section? The wisdom is at least acknowledging I'm stuck. I'm stuck. And uh, it, it goes on here. Look at verse, uh, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time, which really means beautifully appropriate, beautifully suitable also he has put, look at this, eternity into man's heart. Well, that's nice, but look at this. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God is behind these appointed times. God is behind the stuck moment, the, that stuck feeling you, you have. God is behind it. He has put you in this place, and it is just the way God wants it to be. On top of this, according to verse 11, he gives humanity the ability to comprehend the futility of it all. He wants you to have an experience where you lift your hands up and say, I've done all this work. I've tried to make the most of my life. For what purpose? What is going on? It makes no sense what I've been striving after. There is some wisdom rising out of this text. And the wisdom is, I cannot live as a human being with this poem. It's not enough. I can't be free. I can't be what I've been made to to be. It's not possible that this defines my existence. And so secondly then, what wisdom is gained by being stuck in time? (laughs) What what wisdom can, can grow out of that? Well, we know that we're conscious of time. Look at verse 11 again. It says, he has made, made everything beautiful in his time. He also has put eternity in, in man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is the sense in which we know that things have had a beginning and an end. We have a sense of time. We're conscious of time. Cats are not aware of this. You are. You, you have an awareness of being stuck and that there's limit, a a serious limitation upon you. What wisdom can come out of this being stuck? Well, let's keep reading. Look at verse uh, verse 12. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil... This is God's gift to man. It's sort of like a, um, uh, in golf, uh, when, you've really, when you've really messed up on your first uh, shot off the, off the, uh, the tee, uh, you hit what's called a provisional ball. This means that your ball is so far gone, it is so lost, that you are admitting to all your playing partners, I failed royally, and I am going to humbly hit another ball and uh, hopefully, this one will stay on the fairway. It's a provisional ball. It's, um, it's kind of a disappointing moment in the golf day. And uh, you hit a provisional ball, and it sort of makes you feel okay. You don't have to go traipsing out into the weeds and look foolish. You look like you have it together because you have a ball in the fairway. But here's the deal you're not really playing golf, you're sort of cheating. So your partners are saying, that's okay, you know, you'll buy the round at the 19th hole because we let you play this way. You see, I think verses 12 and 13 are the provisional ball of of the Bible. You see, what you get is you get a nice time down at the restaurant, and you you paid for it with your work, and and that's a gift from God. You you enjoy your work, and and you think you're, you're enjoying life, and you are enjoying life, and It's okay, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. There's some truth here. It's wise. It's wise to not be so hard on yourself and and to not enjoy life. So there it is. There it is. It's a provisional... Solomon's throwing throwing us a bone. Hey, look. There is something to, to, to enjoying life. But it really doesn't help with our stuck moment. That we really are stuck in between these two bookends. One is life, being born, and the other one is death. And then look at verse 14. I perceived that whatever God in, does endures forever. Uh, that relates to the poem. God is doing those things. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear him, fear before him. So you, you really can't add a day to your life... I was so surprised when Jack LaLanne died. He was like 96 years old. Don't, you would think that those protein shakes would give him another 10 years. But 96. And I'm thinking, huh, well, if I make it to 86 and I've eaten a bag of Fritos every day, you know, what, what did that gain for him? Ten more years of life, right? Jack LaLanne couldn't add a day to his life as healthy as he was. You can't add. to you're, you, your. You are stuck in this moment, and you can't add to it. And uh, there's some wisdom there. But God is the one who is behind all this. And then look at verse 15. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. And here's a little bit of the madness of it. That's a kind of an old proverb there, verse 15. And here's what's going on. You know how you think you've experienced something new? And then you get bored. You experience something new. Then you get bored. And then as you get older, you kind of you're not quite as you know up and down with excitement. You're a little more steady with things, right? And then you realize that you know, yeah, I kind of experienced this before. Yeah, I've been to a you know theme park, or I've been, yeah, I've yeah, I've been here. This is good. And it's interesting. What what the the text here is saying is that God is actively bringing back things that you thought you were done with. And he's bringing them back again. So you know know you're trapped. So you know you're never going to escape. It's right here in the Bible. Some of you are looking at me with disbelief. It's right here. That which is, that's the present, already has what? Has been. You're experiencing right now. It's just another sermon. When's he going to be over? How can we wrap this up? Land the plane <laughs> Look at this on. I've been here before. Been there, done that, bought the shirt, bought the hat. Been there. You're experiencing it right now. And, and can you imagine that God's in this moment right now? He's in this moment right now to make sure you experience the monotony of a moment you thought you'd never experience again. And he's going to do it tomorrow for you as a special gift. In fact, it says, it goes on, it says, God seeks what has been driven away. We're the ones who drove it away. I got a new car. I'll never be bored with my car again. I'm uh, not, that God will keep, he'll bring it back again. He'll bring back that sense of stuckness, that sense of I'm stuck here. Hmm. Now, verse 14 is the wisdom deriving out of this stuck life. The first 14 is the wisdom. Why does God do this? Why does he bring back events that I thought I was done with? He does this that people would fear him. See it there, verse 14? That's it. God does it that you might fear him. Now, what what does that mean? Well, it means that you're now to start asking questions about your life. I can experience a lot of things, and they're just the repetition of things that I've already experienced. I've been made for something more. And here is the cry of the heart that becomes truly wise. The cry of the heart says, Lord, don't leave me in these stuck moments. Intervene. Awaken me to my true humanity. Awaken me to the flourishing humanity you designed me to experience. You must intervene because I acknowledge that I am rightly stuck as one of Adam's sons or daughters. Time has been severely affected by the rebel. Our, fa- our, our great father, Adam, impacted everything. We need him to make an intervention in our lives and an intervention in time. Deliver us now, Jesus. What wisdom can Jesus and the New Testament give us so we can be truly wise? Remember, we've got two bookends to deal with, a time to be born and a time to die. Galatians 4.4 4 makes this beautiful statement. The New Testament goes right after the concept of time. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, Born of a woman, born under the law. In the fullness of time, God's been watching time. God's been waiting for the moment to reveal his son. And his son was born into this world on schedule. The fullness of time. And then Jesus preaches Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe and be lifted out. Be delivered from these two bookends that you're stuck between. The day that you were born and the day that you die. Matthew 26, uh, 18 tells us Jesus was the Lord of time. He tells his disciples on the week of, of the Passover, he says, you'll find a certain man and tell him the teacher says my time is at hand and of course he gives them the little colt that jesus rides on what we call palm sunday jesus was very much aware of his time Uh, the religious leaders the pharisees and sadducees sought to kill him and to take him but of course repeatedly in the gospels we find out jesus's hour had not yet come his time had not arrived our god is the sovereign over time And as Ecclesiastes tells us that God is overseeing the moments of our lives in order to cause us to fear him and worship him. That same truth is driven through to the New Testament. The Lord of time who's come to redeem us and rescue us now calls us to worship him because he has freed us from the tyranny of this life. Jesus thought of time when he said, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is very much aware of time. And we, we celebrate as a church the new time, the time of the risen Christ. That's what time it is. It is not time for this poem to rule our lives. It is time for the risen Jesus Christ to rule over our lives. And in Hebrews 12, we hear these beautiful words, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God has given us a kingdom that will not be shaken. Jesus Christ, Lord over time, has come to put you into the time that will never, ever end, eternity, to give you an eternal life, and you will no longer be bound to the restrictions and limitations of this sorrowful life. In Ecclesiastes, we turn to God and give thanks and revere him because we have no control over our lives. But in the gospel... We come to God and give him praise and glory because his grace has freed us from what we were in bondage to. Jesus submitted his whole time on earth to the Father's agenda. He was not trapped by these things. He freely gave his life, gave himself over to death for purpose, for great redemptive purpose. And here's one last thought on time. We're not caught in endless cycles. We're not so close to the events that we're nearsighted and we don't understand them. We now understand that God has, is working in time and to deliver us. Listen to this from Romans 5, 6. While we were still weak and helpless. That's Ecclesiastes 3 language. While we were still weak and helpless at the right time. Christ Died for the ungodly. Isn't that beautiful? Now that is packed with deep, lasting, eternal meaning. In Ecclesiastes, we can't see. We can't see the purpose of these events. But in in the gospel, we can see the purposes of these events. We can see Jesus teaching, instructing, healing. Living perfectly under God's righteousness, and then going to the cross and, and remaining under the power of death for three days, and then rising. We can see this, and we now see the purposes of our very life connected to what Jesus has done. God has set the times, Ecclesiastes tells us. And then we learn through Jesus, He is the masterful Lord of time, He is King over the days of our lives. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this look at our desperate situation. A beautiful poem that points us to a beautiful Savior. Revive us, Lord. Cause us to live differently as a result of the Jesus who came in time to redeem us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.